Welcome back in. Greg Davis here with you. Thank you for being with us. And uh, we are uh, excited uh, to remind you just in a couple of moments now, uh, Promise Keeper CEO Ken Harrison joins us. We'll be talking about the uh, upcoming 25th anniversary of the uh, D.C. March of Promise Keepers. Uh, we'll tell you all about it. Many of you remember it, though, back on October the 4th, 1997, uh, over a million men uh, and those numbers, are, I think, maybe are conservative. It was a big gathering in D.C. praying for our nation. Um, a, a common friend of Ken Harrison with the uh, Promise Keepers is uh, my friend, Don Aikenbrandt. And Don has joined us here in the studio, and we're going to surprise Ken in just a few minutes yes, when he are. jumps on the phone <laughs> with us. We're going to surprise him. We're going to surprise him. He doesn't know you're going to be here. No idea. So the story, last time Ken's on with me, I had him on for his book, Name of the book, you remember, uh, uh, The Kings. Uh, forgive Can't me, yeah. the exact same. Anyway, his last book, I had him on for the book. So, so Don, I'm literally, I, he's coming on, and I, I've read the book pretty well, but in the latter part of the book, I, I'm kind of catching up before it starts. You know, I'm kind of trying to finish out and get the whole feel of the whole book. And uh, in the latter part of the book, he opens up one of the chapters with a story about a guy named Don Aikenbrandt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His friend, Don yeah, Aikenbrandt. Yeah. And, uh, and, I mean, how many Don Aikenbrandts can there be? There's only one that I know yeah, of. Yeah, so, uh, so when he came on, I asked him about you, you know, of course, and, well, we had a good laugh over it, and he told, you know, you guys were friends and everything. So uh, when, when we realized Don, uh, Kim was going to be back on the show with us today, I, uh, I asked Don if he'd come and just sit in, and we'll give him a little surprise that uh, he'll get to wait. hear you as well. Can't now, how often wait. do you guys talk or, or communicate? Oh, fairly often. I okay. mean, I, I, I was going to go try to see him recently in Colorado, but his father passed away. And mm. so he had to actually leave to be with his dad, I mean, literally in his final moments. So yeah. we weren't able to see each other. But we ski together every year on Colorado. That's how I met him, actually. He, um, he told me that. That's exactly right. Yeah, I do a men's ski trip. So uh, 15 years ago, I started an organization kind of connected to Halftime, Bob Buford's book he wrote in 95. And I help guys get connected to ministries that fit them, and I've been bringing ministries, leaders of ministries, to the ski trip for 22 years. Through, I mean, I was doing it prior to this 15-year thing, and and uh, and Ken was one of the guys I brought. I typically bring 10 to 15 guys from mm -hmm. around the world, and we have this last year we had 102 men come over two weeks, and uh, and the guys hear about the ministries. They, I'm trying to get guys in the game connected yeah, to something. Yeah, so they that can God get involved or give or 100 yeah. percent, yeah, yeah. And, and just find what God has for them. And so Ken and I skied together hung out became really good friends and we communicate pretty fairly often so okay yeah. so this is going to be a fun surprise yeah so you didn't like talk to him today or anything oh no okay oh no we're going to ambush him yeah we'll ambush him and yeah. uh, and he'll be talking about the 25th anniversary and of course at that point uh, you know coach mccartney i mean was was the leader yeah. of the organization a lot of things have changed over the years and um, they're still doing events. Uh, I told somebody he was going to be on with us, and they were like, "That still exists." I was like, "Yeah." That's kind of everyone's response. But Ken, Ken is a great leader, and he's really done. He he, he stepped up to the plate. He has. Yes, it really organized this thing, and and, he, and look, and he's doing it. I mean, it's a big thing. I mean, you know, they they just did the event in Kansas City, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And did one in Dallas last mm -hmm. year at yep. Jerry World. Yep. And I mean, are having tens of thousands of men come to this yearly gathering, and then they've got a lot other smaller stuff as well. And he's doing it in a volunteer role. Well, and he's got a great app, so you can connect to stuff that they've got going on, yeah. teaching you, connect to other guys around the country. It's it's really. But when you say really he stepped well up, I'm saying he's doing it. He's yeah. doing it. He well, he he left a very lucrative life and felt called to do this. He yeah. pretty much had retired, you know, and and so uh, he just felt God called him in the middle of the night to this thing, and he jumped in and took it on. 
now kind of rebirthed the whole thing. Really, he, he has. Now go back twenty five years ago. Yeah. Uh, were were you at DC? Did you? I go? was not in DC. I but wasn't I did. either. I went. I went to the one in Atlanta, and it was profound because that's where my father met Christ. On that. On that. It was. I think in ninety five or six. Really. And uh, was it like a stadium event? It was a stadium event. Okay. It was. It was at the Omni. Okay. okay, which was still existing then. Yeah. Um, it's about three arenas. And ago there were there. about seventy-five thousand guys there, and it was something. Yeah. And my father, I watched my father get in his knees and just commit his life to Christ, and it changed everything for him. And at that time, he was probably in his maybe early sixties. So that was an amazing thing. And then I took my father-in-law as well, and went to one in California, in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I probably went to four different Promise Keepers. Did one here in yeah. Birmingham. I was at the one in Birmingham. Yeah. You and, remember uh, the out there at Legion Field, the yep. rain? Oh, yeah. I the was mud. there, man. I got so <laughs> Yeah. We talked about that. I mean, it was mud everywhere. It didn't matter. It <laughs> no, didn't it matter. didn't matter. God was there, and men were getting impacted. And uh, I just I, – I loved the experience. I loved the mission. And I love Ken because he's a good man. I know his heart. And yeah. uh, he's a tremendous leader. So anything I could do for him, I will. Yeah. He knows that. Well, that is that's really cool, and uh, I'm glad it worked out that you could be here. I know. Um, Thanks for calling me this yeah. morning. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. It's like today. I'm like, hey, can you come? You know, like we. I didn't know he was going to be on till like t- uh, yesterday afternoon. Yeah. You know, because uh, with this anniversary coming up, they they had asked me back, would I? And it just sort of kind of hung out there, and it was like, hey, you want to do this or not? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So, um, you know, then then hitting you up was the. It was just like a shot in the dark. Uh, that you would even be in town or anything like that. And, of course, you live here close, so that, yeah, I do. Just that, that helped out a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, going back on you, just to let people know you better, and yeah. I, I'll miss stuff, but uh, I first met you, you were uh, leading uh, Young Life. Correct, yes. Yeah, I guess across Birmingham area? Birmingham or? and then the state of Alabama, okay. the Panhandle, yeah. And I was sort of doing the same thing with First Priority. Yes, you were. Coming into that, you know, at so that point. We I were running in the same lane, going we after were. kids that we, were lost. Yeah. We, we absolutely were. Our offices were not far from each other, and, uh, you know, we would – you know see each other and uh, try to coordinate and things like that so uh, that that was how we first knew each other and then you know since then um you know i got into radio doing this and uh, i got to catch you up on all the other stuff i'm doing now. i know well we'll do and that you, you know I, I hear people that are connected with you that are connected with me but we don't see each other nearly as much as we should not at all uh you know we should that'll we should, change yeah we, yeah we should be now that i know where you are on you know whatever given well day. right here five <laughs> to seven uh you know where i'm at i'll hunt you down right here not too far from you um okay yeah we're gonna get ken on here with us uh after we go to break and we'll come back and we'll talk with him about uh, 25 years since the october 4th 1997 over a million men gathering there on the dc mall praying for our nation and our families um, and it was quite a movement. I, you know, I got a story on it, too. I didn't go to D.C., but I uh, had totally blocked off my calendar to watch it on – did C-SPAN air? Somebody like that aired yeah. it. You know, back, mm-hmm. It was on some cable. It was like C-SPAN or something. Carried it. Mm-hmm. And the, I had just gotten married that year. Okay. I got married in uh, May. And so this was October. So um, I wasn't able to go. You know, just getting started, mm-hmm. you know. And the day before, on, it was on a Saturday, the day before, I can't remember exactly what I did, but somehow I twisted my back or something, and I was, um, I couldn't do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean it was like a nerve or something. And I don't have back problems. Like two times that's happened to me. But it was just one of those deals where it just like it locks up on mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And right. I laid in a recliner all day long trying to just get loose and you know it would move around when i could mm-hmm. trying to so i always remember 
I was laid up, and I watched the whole thing. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Laying there in that recliner because yeah. it was an all-day event. So that's the way I remember. I would have loved to have gone, but I couldn't make that happen either for some reason. So yes, but I was always a big fan of uh, Coach McCartney and the whole movement, and uh, and and even since then, well, it was a and, crazy and experience. And it spawned so many great other men's ministries as well. Sure, it were, did. Were birthed out of it, born out of well, it. Well, got guys in the game, you know. I mean, men are pretty much, unfortunately, too, just observing, sitting there in the, they're in the stands. They need to get in the field, you know. I mean, Absolutely. We're, we're called to be in the field and. Any sport I ever played, I didn't like sitting on the bench. No, no. So, you know, I think it really moved a lot of men to figure that out and kind of mm-hmm. get in the game. So, you know. You're right. And I, if there's any time that we need a revival again with that, it, it's now. It's now. Yeah, and that's why we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I always like to be in the game, too. You know, it's football season. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people ask me what position I played in football. I always say left out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was it, you know. Uh, or tailback. I did play yeah. some tailback. It was get your tailback on the bench. You know, that, so that that was, you know, it's time to get in the game is Absolutely. what you're saying. And we all 100%. want to be in the game. Where are the men today? You know, they need to be out leading. They need to, they need to step up. You know, Absolutely. And let, and join the adventure God has for them because he has an adventure for them. Yeah. Don Aikenbrandt sitting in with me. And we're going to get Ken Harrison, CEO of Promise Keepers. He'll be on the line with us right when we come back on the other side. Hang with us, everybody. It's Priority Talk Radio and Podcast. And we welcome you back in here after the bottom of the hour. And uh, as promised, we are very pleased to welcome in the uh, CEO of Promise Keepers, also a great author and speaker, Mr. Ken Harrison. And we're going to talk about the upcoming anniversary of uh, the uh, million or plus men uh, gathering there at the D.C. Mall back in 1997. And uh, Ken Harrison, it is great to have you with us, my friend. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Yeah, that yep. kind of freaks people out. I think when they hear that it was twenty-five years ago, it still freaks me out. Twenty-five years ago, sure was. Now, Kim, we've talked about this before. We've got a common friend, Mr. Don Aikenbrandt. A lot of folks around here know Don. You, you know that? Do you know that yeah, guy? Yeah, he is. I do think you, in, I think in Birmingham, you, it's like you know three people removed from Don Aikenbrandt. You know, you can't you can't run into three people without running into somebody who knows Don. Yeah, well, that's true, and I'm one of them, and Don's sitting right here with me. Hey, bro, what's up? I snuck in on you Are today. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Ken, hey, bro. I miss Man, you. Man, I was just about to start saying a bunch of bad stuff about you. I know. I, I had I to did. cut you off. I knew that. I was I giving was him hoping, a signal, like, yeah, hey, was, man, don't let this go too far. Or something, I, something negative's going to come out. That's you know? why I didn't want to say too much before we started recording, <laughs> you know, uh, this uh, – this uh, conversation. Make sure when we got you on the air that uh, yeah, we, I knew you weren't going to say anything he, bad live. He's my buddy. Yeah, good to have you with us, man, and good to have Don here as well. We've been talking about this 25th anniversary. I had just gotten married 25 years ago. I didn't get to come to D.C. Um, where were you, Ken? I mean, you weren't the uh, CEO of Promise Keepers back in those days. You were living a, a different life. Um, where, where were you? What, what's your thoughts on remembrances of this? I have zero. I really, really, um, I, I, you know, I was, um, was in business in Portland, Oregon. I recently left the LAPD and, um, I, I was not in any way attached to promise keepers at that time. And in fact, um, really the church had damaged me so much that any kind of big church member was something I didn't want anything to do with, which makes it so ironic, uh, where the Lord has me now. He's got a sense of humor. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> so no remembrance of it at all. Um, I know you probably could talk the next hour, but but give everybody the big overview of from there to uh, now you're the CEO of Promise Keepers. Yeah, well, I mean on the on the million 
on the, it's called Stand in the Gap. People always call it the Million Man March. That was actually Louis Farrakhan ripping off Rob Promise Keepers. But uh, it's Stand in the Gap. We had 1.4 million men get together in the mall. It's the biggest gathering in the history of Washington, D.C. And, um, yeah, I was, you know, walking with the Lord, loving the Lord at that time, but, but not in any way at all with Promise Keepers. And, uh, in fact, in the middle of, of starting a business that grew into a huge company and sold that in 2012, um, excuse me, 2006, and then I ran the bigger global company in 2012. And then I retired. And in 2012, really retired at the old age of 45, almost as old as Don Akenbrandt. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I thought, you know, I was going to do what Satan says is, is what every Christian should do, you know, raise my kids, not, not be involved and all that. And I did that for about a year, and I really enjoyed it. People said, oh, you know, someone type A like you, I hate it. I loved it. I, I read all these great books and skied and hiked and all that. And uh, I was praying one day in my club, you know, a little place I go to pray. <clears throat> and God met me in the, the most amazing, vivid way that he ever has. And I, he said, Ken, and God doesn't normally talk to me like this, so this was a crazy thing for me. He said, Ken, I did not put you through everything I did and teach you everything I did so you could ski and hike for the rest of your life. And I said, Lord, uh, what do you want me to do? I was you know, really shocked. And he said, are you willing to be as ambitious for my kingdom as you were for your kingdom? Mm-hmm. And then it came with a warning, be careful of your answer, it's going to cost you your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wrestled with God for about two hours because I really didn't want to give up my life. I had just retired. And um, after two hours, I said, Lord, whatever you want from me, I'll give you all. And I I had this sort of vision of living in Kenya, rescuing, you know, poor people or something. I and mean, I didn't know what that meant, but I think all of us Christians kind of assumed the worst, you know. And um, when I finally said, I'll give you all, he said, I'll tell you what I have for you when you're ready. And then he sent me about four years of waiting and growing and, and teaching me humility because I was going to have to be ready for all of the put-downs and the death threats and all the horrible things that people have said to me now during this chapter that I would not have been ready for 10 years ago. And uh, so when Promise Keepers came along, I didn't really even see it or understand what the impact of it was. But Promise Keepers was really in trouble, as most people know, it kind of faded away, but we were back in a big way. Um, the documentary coming out next week, and um, We've had virtual events. We we generally have about a quarter of a million people watch our virtual events live when they come out. And uh, we had a huge gathering at Dallas Cowboy Stadium last summer. So Promise Keepers is definitely on its way back. Well, man, what a great story. And, uh, yeah, so I, I know that. And, of course, we've talked before about the uh, sort of the, the relaunching of uh, some of the uh, the Promise Keepers outreach. It's never went away, but... Uh, but certainly we're seeing an uptick in it. And, uh, well, things have changed since 1997. I mean, just think about the way um, our world has changed. I mean, that was uh, before 9-11. Um, really, you had Internet, but not not really, not not like we think of it now. Um, so no mm-hmm. social media, things like that. Uh, again, back in those days, uh, to be a man was not was not uh, toxic, was it? <laughs> not, not as toxic. Well, if I... If I said to a 25-year-old back then, act like a man, he would have known what I meant. If I said that to a 25-year-old today, I think he might be confused. Yeah, you're absolutely right, because in that year, uh, I was 25, and I had just gotten married. And yeah, you're right. That's exactly right. Now it would be confusing. Um, We didn't have the progressivism overwhelming the culture and even the church. Um, 
the redefinition. Identity issues you yeah. got going on today. The gender issues, yeah. um, the, all those kind of things. The pandemic. I mean, the world is a different place. Uh, Kim, what do, what do you say now? What is a man today? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, we we must understand Scripture and see that God has called us to come out from the world and be, not be a part of it. And so the description of a man today is the same as the description of a man was 3,000 years ago. And uh, it hasn't changed, and the world doesn't get to change the definition of a man. God defines what a man is. At the very beginning of creation, God laid down three things for humanity. He said, God created man, male and female, he created them. So number one part of creation, male and female, is what makes up mankind. Number two, and they shall leave their parents and come together as one flesh. So male and female, now they come together as one through, through sexual intercourse, through marriage. And then number three, and they'll be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So the, the, the very basis of creation is male and female. Male and female come together in marriage, and then they have kids. And how have we attacked them in this world? In 1973, when we passed Roe versus Wade, I think the Lord has been overturned, but even so, an attack on, on life, an attack on children. Um, you look at what Governor uh, Gavin Newsom is, is passing in California. Mm-hmm. It's literally evil, the, the laws he signed in there, too, sure. law this week. Um, and now we, we moved up. And so in 2001, it's the first time in the history of the world any government anywhere sanctioned gay marriage in the Netherlands. Now it's pretty much prevalent all throughout the Western world, so that takes out number two of a male and female coming together, and then now we have transgenderism. And you talk about how fast things move. When Charlotte passed that bathroom bill, was yeah. it like 2015 or something, mm-hmm. you know, that said that transgenders can use it, but I, I didn't understand what that was. I didn't, like, uh, suddenly you start seeing, like, trans men and trans women in the, in the, the paper. I'm like, what is a trans man? Like, well, I don't that, you know, and that's how fast things have moved in our language. And so, yeah, things have changed dramatically, and strong and courageous men and humble men are needed more now than ever, more now than ever. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ken Harrison, Promise Keeper, CEO, uh, with us. Um, in the years following the uh, the gathering in D.C., uh, the Stand in the Gap, um, did did the event? You know, and you're you're part nonpartisan because you weren't a part of it. Um, did it have the effect that you think it was intended to have? Um, did did it? It certainly didn't stop uh, the movement of, uh, I guess, of progressivism or evil. But did, did it? Do you think it at least slowed it slowed it down to some extent, Ken? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, look at the response at you know nine eleven that occurred two and a half years later. Uh, I guess that would have been three years later. Um, the, the the way people rushed back to the Lord, I do think that Stand the Gap had a profound impact on the country and the world that lasted for a time. The problem was there was no long-term follow-through, and I think a lot of men went to stand the gap. I mean, for people who weren't there, obviously, I read a ton about it. We did this documentary, so I'm as, as informed about it as anybody. Um, it was a massive, revolutionary, life-changing event for a lot of people, but there was no follow-through that kept it into a sustainable movement, and, and a lot of that, people blame Promise Keepers, but it wasn't Promise Keepers' fault. They didn't have the technology to do it, and Coach McCartney, who put it all together, um, really thought, well, we'll turn this over to the churches, and the churches will do it. And they just weren't, the churches just weren't equipped on how to deal with men and men's issues and all the things that were coming along. Because one thing we didn't talk about that was really the, the, the catalyst of change at that moment, it was the advent of pornography on the Internet. Absolutely. Mm. And that 
right there changed the world because right at the time of Santa Gap was coming out, men, rather than having to slink into a liquor store and ask for the penthouse behind the counter and be humiliated, now could just easily access it anywhere in the privacy of their own home. And that, and of course, then it quickly went from men to nine-year-old boys, and, and, and there you have it, off and running. That is the single most destructive thing that's happening in the church and the United States today is men's addiction to pornography. I completely wow. agree with that. Completely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. I see that everywhere. Yeah. Well, and we can talk more about that. Uh, Ken Harrison, CEO of Promise Keepers, is uh, with us on the phone, and uh, our good friend Don Aikenbrand is sitting in with me. And, uh, Ken, if you could hang on a, just a moment. We'll uh, take a break and come back and just continue this conversation for a few more moments on the other side. It is Priority Talk Radio yeah, cool. and our podcast as well. If you uh, missed some of this or want to share it with someone else, go find Priority Talk Radio on your favorite podcast platform. We'll be right back. And we welcome you back in as we continue to visit with Ken Harrison, uh, CEO of Promise Keepers, also a great author and speaker. And uh, you can go and uh, check out some of the great books he's had. He's been on the show with several of them, uh, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, uh, Rise of the Servant Kings. Uh, go check them out. Wonderful um, books that will certainly challenge you in a profound way as they have us. Don Aikenbrandt, our common friend, sitting here in studio with me today as well as we uh, talk through some of this. Uh, Kim, before we jump back into some of the the the, uh, the issues like we were just kind of left off with before the break, um, tell us more about the uh, the documentary that you've put together uh, celebrating or honoring the 25 years since the uh, Stand in the Gap rally in D.C. of Promise Keepers. T- tell us more about the, uh, the documentary and how folks can uh, access it and, uh, and what the purpose is. Yeah, I will. But first, I have to say that, that I actually have a story about Ankin Brand in the book, Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. <laughs> yep, you do. So, <laughs> it's a story about yes, what a, a young man who's convicted by Christ and finds some guts and follows the Lord and doesn't know what will happen and how Don changed an entire family because of his obedience as a young man. It's a really, it's a really cool story. And uh, people too often look at Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, and they think, well, I'm not Billy Graham, and I'm not George Mueller, or uh, how do I, what am I supposed to do? And uh, stories about a guy like Don, just obeying God in the moment and watching how he can bless you. Jesus said, if you're faithful in small things, I'll give you greater things to do. And uh, I just had to, since Don's sitting there in the studio, I had to bring that up. (laughs) Well, and we talked about it before you came on with us, that that's how, you know, I was reading the book before you came on last time, and I'm about jumped out of my chair when I saw Don Aikenbrandt's name in it, because I know there's only one Don Aikenbrandt in the whole world. So, uh, yeah, that, that, we, we visited yeah, yeah, about yeah, it yeah, yeah. for a moment okay, or two. That's good. That's, good. <laughs> that's enough of that, Don yeah. says. Yeah. So are you referring to the Mrs. Ward story? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. 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 That's a winner. <laughs> it's a good yeah, one. It's a college drinking game, you know. It's, it's um, you know How long does it take you to be able to spell Aikenbrandt's last name correctly? <laughs> 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 Oh man! Oh, Lord. All right, Ken, tell so us about the, tell us about the, the documentary. documentary. Yeah, it's, so this, 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 the event we, we touched on it briefly, but it really was an amazing, uh, crazy change uh, time. I mean, you had the biggest gathering in the history of Washington D.C. 1.4 million men, and the stories that come into that are are amazing. We, one of the stories and they're told in the documentary is these guys were all on a Southwest Airlines flight out, and the entire flight was full of men coming back, and the stewardess was a little nervous because she has, her entire flight is full of these guys. Mm. There's not a single woman on the flight. She's like, what's going on? Finds out it's the guys leaving Promise Keepers. 
and she leads them in hymns for the whole flight. So these guys all sing and praise Christ the whole flight home with the stewardess over the intercom. You know, there's just all these unbelievable stories. Somebody actually rented a train and filled a train full of people and took it all the way to D.C. Oh, dude, we were doing that in Atlanta. When we left Atlanta, everyone was singing and worshiping, taking the train back to find our cars to go home. I, I I came over from Birmingham. It was unbelievable. Atlanta was one of those big events, too, that people often talk about how the Lord moved. And that was common in, in those days. Well, and, I was uh, at the one in Birmingham, and it was pretty good, too. Until it rained. Yeah, and it did rain. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was pretty muddy. I think everybody there lost a pair of shoes uh, that, that, that weekend. Nobody could. Roll Tide, man. <laughs> um, uh, so we, we did a one-hour documentary. You can go to promisekeepers.org to register for it. It's free. Everything we do is free. And really, the, the way Promise Keepers has taken off now is we have an app that has about 50,000 men on it. Um, in the United States, it's, it's global. Uh, amazing chats going on, amazing doctrinal stuff. And the type of thing we're talking about is we did a, a virtual event last April. We had 250,000 people watch it. That does not include several airings on CBN and the stream. And then after that, we were able to have follow-up because it's sexual integrity. It's one hour. It's very hard-hitting. This is men talking to men about get your stuff straight in Christ. But then we have a 30-day follow-up that takes on specific sexual perversion issues and how to be healed. We have 5,000 men go through that on the app. And the testimonies are amazing. And we have had guys, we have one guy who's addicted to pornography since he was 9 years old, how he's now 65 and they destroyed his marriage as kids. Wow. And he was ugly crying, and it took him three days to get through one day's lesson because he was so convicted of crying. But better... We got a letter from him several months later saying he was still completely clean. His life had been completely transformed. So that's the kind of thing Promise Keepers is doing today. So the documentary is, is meant to honor what occurred and to, to fill guys down stories they may not have known and seeing like some of the speakers from then, like Eric Bernard and Tony Evans today. Um, but also to call them back from the nostalgia and say, that was great. That was amazing. But what are you doing now? Because the gospel marches on. The kingdom of God need warriors now and so we're calling back men to the current day and saying 25 years ago was really crazy and amazing but what have you done with it and we have some tools to help you jump back into the game now wow that is great yeah i'm on the app every day are you really yes i am i, d- I downloaded it and I, d- I did look at it after uh, our last visit um but i'm not on it like that but i did check it out and uh, it, it it's it's phenomenal and uh, yeah i wish we would have had that 25 years ago that certainly would have helped um, sure because would. it does help. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of events and things too over the year, Ken. You know, I've done events where, you know, um, not like Promise Keepers, but you know, you're sitting there going, "Oh God, let somebody come," and ten or twelve thousand people show up. You know, I've done that here in Birmingham. Um, you know, and it's always when you plan those things, it's always the question is, "Well, what's going to be the follow up?" And I always look around mm-hmm. the room and go, "Us, <laughs> we're the follow up. Right. <laughs> One believer to another." Yeah. You know, I mean, seriously, it's like. People look around and think somebody else is going to do the follow-up, and it's like, no, it's it's, it's discipleship. This it's us. We're going to be the ones that are going to follow up, mm-hmm. and oftentimes that's with church leaders, you know, pastors or youth pastors, and it's us. It's our churches. We're the ones that are going to do it, and so I, it seems to me like maybe that was some of what happened back then. The church just wasn't prepared or didn't have the uh, maybe the you know know how to come out of it and know what to do with it i, I don't know i'm just I, I think for well my experience a lot of the focus was racial reconciliation 
Um, and there was a real drive towards if you're an African American man, partner up with a with a white Caucasian man yeah. and start understanding each other. So that and that was a cool movement. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I was part of some small groups for a while. Got to know some great guys in the inner city. That really helped even shape when I came back on Young Life staff. My heart for the inner city mm-hmm. were the men that I met at in Atlanta and followed up and got to know and and some guys I still am very close to in Birmingham that that. Uh, taught me a lot that I you know I was just unaware of so that that was a cool part of what happened I think for sure and that was I think a real emphasis um, Lauren Cunningham uh, well it wasn't one Lauren it was uh, Crawford Loritz uh, really laid it yes. down in Atlanta um, and it was a night his father was passing away and uh, Ken I'm sorry about your father I know that that's happened recently um, well, but it was a really powerful conversation. He challenged everybody that, you know, you just need to walk out life with other men, you know, and uh, and I, that was something. I think he spoke in Birmingham yeah, as well. He did. Yeah. Go ahead, You've um, built my soapbox a little bit for me, Don, but, but I'll say two things on that. You know, Greg, you asked me what's the man earlier, and I, and I gave you a scriptural answer, but yeah. not direct answer. And, and you really nailed it there. Uh, a man takes care of the responsibilities that are his to take care of. And when you have men who are looking at Brian Arena going, where's the fault and what's going to happen then? They're non-men. Because the man says, I'm going to do it. What can I do? And the problem we have been rolled into in the church is we have been given a false identity. And I don't think it was done on purpose. We must remember we always have an enemy who's a liar who's walking around. And what that enemy has done lately is the message of grace has become too far to one side to where essentially that message is, you're a really bad person, but God loves you anyway. So try not to be bad, but we all know you're going to be. Right. But don't worry, Jesus will still forgive you. Mm. And that's not the gospel. The message is, you were a bad person. When you placed your faith in Christ, you became a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Mm-hmm. And He deposited His Spirit in you to help you so that you can become holy if you give up all for Him. That's the gospel. And that has a big difference in how we see our identity. So I will not look up on the stage... I will not go to church and say, what's that guy going to do? I'll say, what am I going to do? I can take this young man, I can look down my street and say, hey, there's two fabulous boys down that street. What if I got together with a couple of guys and I got a couple of my friends and I taught them how to play football or I took them to a game or I just took them under my wing and mentored them and taught them how to be a man. And if we all started being proactive that way in our little sphere, we would change America. No question. You know, so Ken, my son Jake uh, is on Young Life staff here now in Birmingham. They just moved here, and he's been doing this this, this thing called, it's kind of like man camp, with his high school guys where he's teaching them how to skin a deer, how to change oil, how to change a tire, you know, um, how to get in the woods, how to start a fire. I mean, you know, and, and it's just one thing after another. These kids love it, and and uh, take them squirrel hunting, you know, and, and anyway, it's it's just, uh, it's squirrel mad stuff. Only, only in Alabama. No, and it's, <laughs> hey, listen, it, so it became the deal in where he was in Thomasville where you could only, you had to, you had to like earn your way into the squirrel hunters club at his high school that he was doing with Young Life, and it was like a series of things that you had to man up to. Mm. And these guys made these squirrel hats, and they were. It was. It became this cool man thing going on for these high school kids down in Thomasville, Georgia, to be mm. part of the squirrel. Th- I mean, you know, go figure that. Whatever, you know, high school kids. You got to do something goofy to get their attention. Sure, sure. But it worked. Oh, yeah. It yeah. worked. And I mean, these guys. Every kid in that school wanted to be part of this exclusive squirrel hunting <laughs> club. I'm like, okay, man, that's creative. You know, that's my son. I'm like, way to go, dude. That step up to something really creative to get people engaged. 
Well, very. That's good. the whole point. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Ken, thank you for your time. Uh, I know we're we're out of time with you. Uh, the 25th anniversary Stand in the Gap Promise Keepers documentary. Uh, you can go to promisekeepers.org and uh, you can watch it. It's there for you, and there's lots of other great resources there at the website and the app as well. Uh, Ken, did I get all that right? Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Hey, I, I love you, brother. I, I love you, man. I'm proud of you, Ken. I, you're you're an incredible leader, and I, I stand behind you in every way. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ken. All right, Ken Harrison, CEO of Promise Keepers, promisekeepers.org.